This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what is up, To The Point listeners? It is your boy, Cristiano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast. And we've got another banger of an episode coming up for you with my man, Darren Dixon, who is the founder and CEO of Fixify. We're going to get into some of that stuff. But I love his knowledge in the industry and some of the conversations we've had and like innovation and software and all the fun stuff that sometimes can be confusing to talk through. Well, I want him to kind of come on and share his opinion on things and un- like his view of the future and technology and the e-com space and all this other shit you keep hearing over and over again. But listen, Darren, welcome to the show, bro. Man, I was worried about saying shit and you have it built right into your like your jingle, man. The intro, bro. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, you don't have to worry about that. We are a filter free. <laughs> we are a filter free environment. Yeah, no, I'm excited for you to come on, man. Like I said, you and I have had some pretty good uh, conversations around this and like, I see it. I see it and I get it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm um, happy to be one, here. Thanks for inviting me. Welcome. Welcome. I got at some point in time on this podcast, I got to figure out why in the hell you chose Fixify. I think I spelled it wrong like 20 times before I actually got it memorized to get it, to get it right. Cause it's not like that's an abnormal name. I don't want to get into it yet. I don't want to get into it yet, but I do want to get to know you a little bit, man. And, And so I, you know, I do things. Sometimes I shake things up a little bit. Producer Ryan's looking at me like, what are you doing now? Uh, I didn't even tell him, but we're going to play a little bit of game of called oh. Would You Would You Rather. Have you ever played that oh. before, Darren? Man, I'm, let's go. <laughs> so th- I think what this does is it gives myself a, and the listeners a good way just to kind of see what Darren's about before we get into the business side of things. Your game? Right on. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, cool, dude. Right out of the gate. I asked some of my, uh, some of my other rhinos this earlier when I was kind of testing out some of the questions, and the first one got a pretty great reaction. So we're going to start off with a little banger right off the bat. Would you rather, Darren, chew your toenails off or someone else's fingernails? Man, so, you know, people will laugh about how often I get um, pedicures. So I would say definitely chew off my own toenails because I'm about keeping it clean, bro. You know? Yeah, and who knows where in hell their fingers have been. And, get out of here. Know, you know what? And now you're you're making me think about things, man, because <laughs> I I have such a huge pet peeve, dude, about dirty fingernails. Like I, I've been sitting in meetings where I'm looking at people's fingernails along the table because I pride myself in taking good care of the nails. And I'm like, God, like, what have you been doing? Digging holes with that? Like, listen. That's like basically my kid's fingernails. It drives me crazy. I'm a fingernail chewer. It's a bad habit. I can't help it. It's hard one to stop. I do it. Um, But you're chewing your own nails. So I'm chewing my own nails. Much different. Chewing my own toenails off. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Okay, next one. This one isn't as good. Um, But would you rather have no one come to your wedding or your funeral? Ooh, that's a good one. So I would definitely rather have no one come to my wedding. I would, I would hope by the time that I completed my sojourn that there would be enough people who care that they would want to be there to pay my respects. Love it. Yep, I agree. Uh, that's what, which way I'd have leaned to. Would you rather have no internet or no cell phone? That's kind of a weird question internet. I think about because cell phone's I, much better know, if you I have internet. Have, if you got the data backup, you're good, right? So I would have to go with no internet. <laughs> got it. Would you rather go back in time? Well, first off, do you have any, Darren, do you have any kids? <laughs> yeah, I got about 10. 
but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. Hey, would you rather go back in time, meet your ancestors, or go into the future to meet your great-grandchildren? Oh, my God. Great-grandchildren, huh? Don't be putting no negative mojo on me, dude. I plan on being right. here to like. You know, <laughs> I, I said um, great. Maybe it's great, great grandchildren. Then how about that? I would say, oh, that's a tough one. I would rather kids, kids, go kids. into the future and see what my posterity looks like. boy. I think that's, that's a, I can go back and forth on that one quite a bit too. Listeners, I don't know what you're thinking. You guys are maybe you're kind of going back and forth, but um, I, I think I'm it all depends on I'm nostalgic. if you don't have if if you don't have kids, this is a pretty easy one to answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm nostalgic, right? Like, I think about you know what what it must have been like to try to to live in that time and stuff. And I I dig history a lot, but I definitely would love to see the impact of you know. I mean, look, when when we have kids, we hope that we're going to pass something to them, right? And, and, and it's not necessarily something material, right? It's really more important uh-huh. about the citizens we create them to be, or, you know, impact, influence them to Legacy. be. So to be able to see, yeah, I'd be able to see what future generations look like yep. because of that work, then I would say definitely that's where I would, that's where For I would. For sure. Yeah, man. Sweet. Good answer. I got two more. This one's going to be, these All will right. be good. good. We're going to finish off game. with two. I like this. We'll finish off with two bangers. I, the game of Would You Rather looks much different in different situations, but on the podcast, this is what it looks like. If you would have <laughs> said never have my... I ever, I would have opted out. No, 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 no. Never have I ever. Nope, we wouldn't have done that. Don't um, play that with your in-laws. Do not play that with your in-laws. Just put that out there. I'm just telling you, I've done that. Okay. That's sound advice. PSA, thank you. Would you rather dumpster dive for food or ask customers outside a restaurant to buy you a meal? Oh, my goodness. Would you rather dumpster dive for food or ask customers outside of a restaurant to buy you a meal? I'd have to dump. This is a, yeah, this is essentially a question around pride. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you know what I I mean? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's weird because people go through things and, and, and having someone there to help them and all, and I'm all about all of that, but I just know that for me personally, I would dumpster dive. Yep. I would just pick, yep, I think I would I, look for that clean little chicken wing that was left. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know I would when too. I go out to eat, there's a couple chicken wings left over. So I would be like, that's true. No. I get it. I get it. You just got to get to it soon. Yeah. No, I think that's a good question. But I for sure think that's like a pride question. <laughs> yep. Well, see, I'm, last a one. I'm a planner. I would have been sitting in there watching for the guy that was about to throw away some stuff that, you know what I mean? They didn't eat all the way or didn't slobber on. And then I'd go for that. Like I'm a, plan. but that wasn't, that wasn't an option. It dumpster was only dive. Dumpster, dumpster dive or sitting outside and ask somebody to buy Dump, you a meal. So, <laughs> got it. Okay. Last one. Would you rather go to jail for a crime you didn't commit or someone else go to jail for a crime you committed? Go to jail for a crime I didn't commit. Wow. God, that would be tough. No, hey, look, I, I, so both of those are tough, right? But I'd rather, of course. I, That's you know, I had this really great, I've had some great mentors in my life. And one of them said, you don't have to be liked. You just have to be right. And so I, I'd rather know that I was suffering as an innocent man than know that an innocent man was suffering for me. Good for you, man. That's great. That's great. It, that's a, that will be, a, I mean, you know what? That's a Listen, meme. De- that's a meme. Hey, we should make that hang into on a, a second. We Clip it, Ryan. Clip it. Um, also could depend on who, 
Who's the one going to jail oh, for the crime well, you committed? <laughs> well, now, now, now we're now uh-huh. we're going a couple levels deeper. Okay, so, <laughs> you know what? Let's not go down that path because we're going to offend somebody. But anyway, thanks for indulging, man. That was a good. That yeah, was that a good was round. A good time, man. That was a good time. Okay, cool. Let's do this. Okay, so um, now you're in you're in uh, Florida, right? Yep. Yep. So, oh, by the way, speaking of Florida, you ever heard of Florida? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we have Flo Rida at the Rhino Christmas party this, year, I, I, this past I, year. Hey, listen, don't think I don't know that. Like, I was paying attention. I saw that. I was like, you know, that's pretty legit. You know, the party that I was at, that I would say I would put up against your Flo Rida party, was me and George Donaldson and about two hundred employees were partying in Las Vegas at the Palms, and George was rapping with Nelly. That's that's pretty cool. I that love was Nelly. Pretty cool, but. <laughs> So is Flow Rider. That's pretty damn I'm cool a, too. I mean, I'm a sucker for cornrows and manicured toes. <laughs> I think, I think you know. I, I, hey, look, you're throwing another great party, man. Like this, uh, this gig that you've Rhino got going at, at Rhino X, dude, is going to be dope. I'll tell you what, Mike Tyson is what a good choice, man. You know, I'm from Vegas, right? And Mike Tyson, I, I have a funny Mike Tyson story. You want to hear it? Yeah, sure. All right, I'll, I'll make it fast. So. Right before Mike Tyson knocked the holy lights out of Trevor Burbick, okay? Like knocked yeah. his lights out, okay? Yep. Night night. He was there was a club in Vegas that was the elite sports club where everybody went. It was called the Sporting House. And you know, me and my friend won we won a passes on the radio because we couldn't afford to go to that place. But sure. we were there playing ball and hanging out, and Mike Tyson was there training for the Trevor Burbick fight. And traveling with Mike was his cousin, and his cousin was a funny guy, and he was playing basketball with us. And Mike, when he'd get in between working out and what, he'd come and need badger him and tease him from the sidelines. Anyways, we all ended up standing in a in a, in a little group talking. And Mike, Ty, you know, Mike's two years older than me, and and Mike was laughing and conjoling, and so he bumped into me. And when he bumped into me, I realized why he was called Iron Mike Tyson. The dude, the dude is like built out of steel. You understand? Best fighter, (laughs) a best fighter to ever walk the planet. And you got him coming to speak at your event, dude. That's legit, man. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited about it too. It's going to be a fun event. Well, listen, and, and, and you're going to be a part of it. Actually, I, I, actually, if I, if I remember correct, this episode is actually going to air after the oh, event. Okay. I think it would be because well, be, well, we enjoyed like, seeing you there. <laughs> we enjoyed- <laughs> I, I could be wrong. What is that? It's the eighth. Oh, actually, shit. okay. Hey, listeners, it's about to happen. Rhino X is just about to happen while you're hearing this. So, oh. yeah, man, we're excited for it. So, hey, let's do this. Let's get into it because I want to talk about Pixify. Like, it's a. I mean, not only is it just a, a like a home service solution software that I think is amazing. Um, I really wanted to kind of get into it, but really, I want to get your take because you've been so heavily involved in just the industry as a whole. So for our listeners, they can kind of hear your perspective on um, how things are going, things that you were seeing. Um, you know, you have your ear to the ground. You've been into it a long time. You've got a lot of great relationships. Um, you've been involved in a lot of business and how you even got to the decision to do that in the first place. So I just want to talk through a few things, but first and foremost, let's go ahead and, and give the listeners an idea on who the hell Darren Dixon is. So like, how did you get into trades? Kind of tell us your story. You know, it's funny, man. Like, as I, as I do these, people are like, why don't I already know you? And I'm like, well, because I never saw myself as a brand, okay? I've, I've never seen myself as a brand nor ever spent any effort in building myself as a brand. Instead, I've used my efforts to build the most well-known brands in North America. 
And in two, let's see, in 1995, uh, I was living in Las Vegas, Nevada, working three jobs, had a wife in college. And this dude uh, approached me and said, hey, man, how'd you like to come work for me and make tons of money? And I was like, you know, what's tons That's of money? <clears throat> yeah, right. What's tons of money? And he said, well, I don't have anybody that works for me that makes less than 50,000 bucks a year. And I was like, like the heavens opened and I heard angels sing because at the time that was going to change my life. Okay. That was, a, that was a life change. And so sure. I said, all right, well, what do I got to do? He says, so you got to come sell air conditioning units and you're going to get paid straight commission. And so I said, I'm in, I said, I'm in before I even knew anything else about it. Cause I was ready to go. So um, I started selling AC in the very beginning in 1996. The very first training that I ever went to for, for air conditioning was, um, was being done by um, a company called Contractor Success Group, which ultimately had Terry Nicholson and Lon Castle and, um, and you know, some, of the, some of the best sales trainers that have been kind of legacy sales trainers in the industry for a long, long time. Anyway, long story short, man, is that it was like, uh, so let me, let me see if I got this straight. You paying Was Abrams, Abrams in that? Jim, Jim Abrams was the man at the top, right? I, yeah, you yeah. know, he was like iconic, right? He was like the, the Steve right. Jobs of our industry at the time, you know? Yep. And Terry, uh, Terry, Terry's been on here. He'll be, um, he'll be here this coming Rhino X. Right, right. Ter Terry Nicholson and I have been longtime friends and, and business partners anyways. Um, cool. So Definitely, definitely one of the most talented trainers and teachers in this industry. And yeah, great uh, pedigree too. So anyway, long story short is I was like, if you guys are going to pay me to sit in people's houses and sell and talk to them and sell them air conditioners, this is easy because everything I've done leading up to this point in my life has been a lot harder than that. So anyway, long story short is it went good for me and, and I was able to connect with customers and it was easy. I couldn't believe I got paid to do it. I just went in people's houses and sat down and helped them. And that came natural to me. Uh, so long story short was I went from sales guy to, to sales manager, to general manager, to buying the company and ultimately um, turned around and created the first one hour heating and air conditioning uh, company that there ever was. And um, sold that company. And that was, and that was where? That was in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yep. Yep. That was the, that was where it all happened. That was the first place. And so we were jamming and we were, we were growing so much. And the reason we were growing was because I was using these little manuals, right? They, they give you these little manuals that, that want, the first one was called Instafix. And, and it was, I'm not kidding you. It was like 47 pages long. Right. And so you'd read this thing and then you surmise, okay, this is the way to run a home services business. But we went after it and we did a good job with it and we created one hour and that, I mean, we, um, we opened the first one hour and that went really well. And then uh, Clockwork came and absorbed us and we merged with them in 2004. And uh, my job was then to turn around and duplicate what we had been doing in Las Vegas um, as many times as possible. So we went out and started buying companies and we grew from zero to $160 million in about four years. And uh, we had, Damn. yeah, it was fast. It was very busy. You know, a lot of great people working in that environment and doing those things. And the, the thing that happened that was really cool about that, Chris, was that um, I had now like 24 budgets to review, 24 daily management reports to view, review, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I became very quickly understanding patterns. And, um, and I had, you know, like I said, great mentors that helped me to understand and learn 
the right way to market and you know just uh, continue to grow. So we we obviously we sold that company to um, Direct Energy, and then Direct Energy sold that on to Authority Brands. Authority Brands, yep, yep, and they're doing great things with it too. I can see, you know, I, I keep very close uh, tabs on it because the very, very, very first truck that was ever wrapped was that rolled out on the road came out of my office. And so I remember Abram said to me this, he said, the day's going to come when you're going to travel around the United States, Darren, and you're going to see our tr- uh, the brand of our trucks rolling on the road. And you're going to know that you were part of making that happen. Anyway, long story short is that's where I've put my energy, my man, is putting it into building companies and not building, you know, some kind of a persona for myself. Got it. Yeah, you want to know a fun fact? Totally. Um, so Authority Brands with their CML, I have a great relationship with Heather, who's also been on the podcast. I think she was on maybe in 2020-ish, somewhere around there. Um, it was for sure in 2020. Now I think about it. Um, and it's because the question of like franchising was coming up to me. And I thought, well, and I knew her knew her from her Dwyer group days. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, kind of a small, kind of small world. Um but so I, w- I want to go ahead and segue into that. Well, thanks for sharing. Obviously, I knew you've been in the game a long time too. I didn't know the connection to Terry, which is cool. Um, so and cool, man, that you guys will be here at the same time. This yeah, right. it's going to be a uh, good so time. That's going to be awesome. But listen, after being in the HVAC industry, HVAC industry for so many years, <laughs> like obviously you've seen a lot of change in a lot of different ways. <clears throat> I say so many. He- oh, that, that's that the gesture? Is that your thank you gesture? Or the yeah, that's how <laughs> the- us old guys say thank you. <laughs> How do you see like the whole changing consumer demands impacting the way this, the, the contractors are doing business? Like, I, again, I know you've, you've been involved in a lot and then for a while and you've seen a lot of different change, but like, where are you at, man? Where are you at on that? So, you know, when, when you think about the industry, oftentimes we can overcomplicate it, right? And overthink it. So, so what I do when I look at the industry is I say to myself, first and foremost, what's going on in a person's mind when they're having this problem, right? And because yep. that's what we do, right? We solve problems. And so what's going on in a person's we, mind when they're having this problem? And yeah, we kind of got to be psychologists. Right. I mean, and, yep. and, and so, so realistically, they, they want their problem solved as quickly as possible. They want it as to be as easy as possible to fix. And they want it to cost as little money as possible, right? I want it to be fast. I want it to be easy. And I want it to be I want it to be as close to free as possible. I mean, just because somebody's prepared to spend more to solve a problem doesn't mean they don't still want it to be not cost them a lot of money. Nobody wants to spend money on problems, right? Sure. So, so when you think about that and that that's never going to change in the way that people think, then you have to ask yourself, is, is our current way of doing business, how many of those three issues are we able to solve? And, and you know, going back to the days of working for Abrams, Abrams always challenged us and, and forced us to think five years in advance, right? So when you're looking five years in advance and you start, you know, doing comparisons of, of companies that are really starting to make massive strides in the growth, you, and you think about Ubers and you think about Amazon, you think about these kinds of things, you start looking at technology and you say, realistically, my, my life and your life right? Almost every, every other time, except for right now, you and I have communicated through this thing right here, right? Oops, right. upside down. Yep. Right. There we go. Cell phone. Cell and phone yep. So every company today that is focusing on what and how they're going to approach the marketing battlefront of consumer experience 
has to be focused on how does the digital world impact the way that we're doing business. And I think that if you go back and you look at the way that software has impacted um, our industry, you know, the biggest impact that you'd have to say that's been in the last 10 years has really been Service Titan. I mean, Service Titan took um, a, a, a software concept that was not moving forward it was stagnant and they, they energized it and they moved it forward. Right. Um, today, if you think about the way that, that the consumer wants to do business, I mean, I don't know about you, but when, you know, the old way of doing things are no longer really um, so prevalent. Like when I'm watching a football game and I want a sandwich, I don't, the old way I'd have to do is go, okay, at halftime, I'm going to jump up and I'm going to go drive and get me a sub. Now, you know, towards the middle of the second quarter, I'm on my phone and I'm ordering myself a sandwich and it arrives, you know, right. Just in the nick of time. Yeah, man. A little DoorDash. Right. I mean, Uber eats, DoorDash. Uber eats, DoorDash. Today, you know, today, listen, they're getting smart today. You can go to the sandwich shop. I always order from is this place called Jersey Mike's and you go on Jersey Mike's and you're ordering through their app, but you're really, you think you are, but really you're doing business with through DoorDash, right? So, right, so right. DoorDash has taken two different approaches. DoorDash has said, we're gonna go direct to consumer, but we're also gonna go direct to provider and we're gonna give them our technology so that it feels to the consumer like they're using Jersey Mike's technology, but really they're using DoorDash's technology, right? Yep. And we look at it the same way is that when you talk about what consumers want today, is there a faster way to get service? If I can get an Uber car to me within three to five minutes, you know, right, that, that starts to change the expectations that consumers have about how quickly they can get somebody to their home and how easily they can get somebody to their home. So I start looking at technology and I say, how is technology going to break down the paradigms that we have in our industry and how when is our when is the effort and problem solving going to move past being the very very best at the old way of doing things and moving on to the new way of doing things smartac.com smartac.com if you haven't heard of it you better find out if you haven't implemented it you better check it out you have to get started doing something 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield what are you doing differently than your competitors you need to make sure that your memberships are sticky smartac.com does that lifetime warranty insurance savings filter discounts 24 7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem live tech chat service providers all of this with smartac.com you've got to check it out now got it so this is obviously something you've put a lot of thought into um but you basically kind of reverse engineered this process well, um, I mean, if you think about it, every other software that I've ever used in my life for this industry has been geared, it's, it's an administrative tool. It's how every bit of it was designed, whether it was, you know, designed poorly or it was designed um, efficiently, was geared around how does it help the back end user use the software and how does it make their job easier? but none of it was geared towards the most important person that we always teach in the equation. The most important person in the equation is the consumer. And none of the software that's being used today has been geared around the consumer's experience and, and linking this amazing consumer experience to the contractor through a software um, interaction. 
right? It's always been training classes. Send your technicians to our training classes and we're going to teach them the most right way to do it. And, and that's a good thing because that's all that we had at the time is we had the ability for a trainer to teach a technician a, a better way of doing things to try to go out and try to communicate with the customer that way. Today, we can accomplish that more consistently through the use of software. So do you consider this more of a like a SaaS or a uh, e-commerce solution, or is it some hybrid? Man, what a great question. <clears throat> you know, as we talk to many in the financial world today about this, and they ask us to explain it, right? Help us understand what this is. Yeah. We go through this exact same conversation, and, and the answer is it is a hybrid because there is well, no That's software. what it seems like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's no software that's done this. So yes, it's a complete SaaS. It has been designed to flatten the tech requirement. So when we talk about tech stack, right, we're talking about how many different integrations does your software have to be able to provide the solutions that, that the user really needs. And in, in the most popular softwares, present the, 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 the most present popular software, is this big tech stack. You have to subscribe to this and you have to subscribe to that and that and that and that and you use them all. And hopefully they all kind of work in conjunction with one another, but never designed to, to work that way. Whereas what we looked at when we were designing this software is how could we incorporate all of that functionality into one process that flows from the consumer, getting the technician directly dispatched to their home to tied to the back end. The software is in the consumer's hand, so they're having a complete consumer experience. It's all laced through the back end and working with AI and automation to create an experience that doesn't presently exist. So yeah, yeah. So so I got I got interject. Okay, because I'm like okay now I'm getting that. I'm I'm starting to see like the I'm connecting some dots here. One, you had and by the way, listeners. I say SaaS. I should explain what it is. It's software as a solution. That's what SaaS means. Um, but you talk about like integration with like a CRM. So does this, is this something that works in conjunction with like a service Titan or anything like that? So I guess the easiest way for me to just say this is just plainly is that you would not have Fixify and service Titan in your business. You would have one or the other. And if it Perfect. was service Titan, you'd have all of the bolt-ons or you would have Fixify. Got it. Okay. That's good to know. I'm just trying to understand the differences. And so to try and help our complete, listeners understand the differences too. Complete dispatching, um, complete CRM, complete databasing, complete management suite, everything. Oh, got it. So, so um, because we, I brought up the e-commerce piece of it, the thing that I've, I've kind of struggled with, with, with e-commerce is, um, and I'm a believer. I think that I love purchasing online. I love speed to service. Um, I love uh, easy, you know, that, being easily accessible to be, sure. you know, to, for contact because people don't want to talk to you if they want to reach out to you and, and do business with you without even having, having a conversation with you. I like the idea of these things. Um, but where I've noticed a lot with e-commerce is that it's, you still have, the, the contractor actually has to put some sort of plan in place to push it. You can't just throw it on the site and then people are going to buy from it. Like there's, there's a chunk, there's a piece that's missing. And so when I, when I talk to some of, um, of the, of our customers or my friends that have it in there, like the missing ingredient has always kind of been in that space. Yes. It's on the site. There's no real plan in place to push it, to get it out to the consumer to like, it's, it's just, there's not much to it. That's why I'm saying like, when it sounds like you reverse engineer this, you kind of took it from the consumer, like the consumer experience perspective and worked at the opposite direction. 
and, and automated everything. Yeah. So that's awesome. Right. So let's, let's chat about that for a second. So first of all, you know, statistics are very important to me because they, they tell a story, right? So today, 80% of all replacement sales in North America happen at the time of a critical failure or at a service call, right? Whether it's a, whether it's a breakdown or it's a, it's a, um, a tune-up. Only 20% are being proactive sales, right? Marketed leads, if you will, yeah? So the other very important statistic is that 81% of all replacement sales are minimum zero. So the first way that we look at it and what you're talking about here is that when we're talking about proactive sales and the way that those sales are made, you're only you're talking about 20% of the impact on your business to your installation department, 20%. The 80% of the impact that you can make is going to be at the time of a service call. But when we're so so what we what we've done is we've looked at that <clears throat> and we said, okay, we've always considered the sales process just to be very on a continuum. It's just depends on where you step in in the timeline, right? So if if it's if it's a, a failure and that's what convinces me I need a new air conditioning system, then there's a process that happens there, right? If there's something else that um, convinces me that I, it's time for me to get a new air conditioning system, doesn't necessarily, necessarily have to be a, a failure, then I'm still on the same continuum. I'm just a little further down the road, right? So the way that we look at the way that we, uh, how we built this software was, we said, first and foremost, how can we impact the performance of replacement sales on service calls first because of the fact that that's the biggest opportunity. But to the e-com side of things, we used all of the same engineering and, and we said this, any way you look at it, people want things to be easy. Today, the easiest up, up till today, or up till you know re very recently, the easiest way to accurately, when you take all of the impact of what it takes to install an air conditioning system in your home properly, or, or a new water heater, or an electrical system, whatever it is, it's still today, up until now, has been an expert has to come over to the house, do an assessment. That assessment is to determine what you need, and then there is some process that they use which has no standardization to it, in the way that recommendations are made to a customer. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So what we said was, we think that we can step in in a portion of that process on the proactive side of things for the people who want to use a digital process in doing this. And we can build a solution that not only works right for the consumer, but it still protects what the contractor wants. And, and let's face it, I've been in a hundred meetings where contractors are stomping their feet and pounding their fists about e-commerce because of one real reason. How does it affect them financially? Let's, I mean, let's face it. The replacement business is how we drive the profitability in a home service business in the HVAC uh, business, especially right on how that that's the profit model. So you start monkeying around with that and you start getting some guys concerned real quick. So, sure. so uh, I mean, right. I would too. I, I mean, I did for the last 20 years feel that way, but once we had designed a process that we knew could give the consumer what they wanted, protect what was most near and dear to the, to the contractor's heart, which was the ability to do the job, right. Maintain their service that they give the customer and protect the profitability that we'd have a solution. And that's, that's what we built in. And 
So there will be our our belief is that if you look at the way that good technology has impacted our lives, it's really replaced less efficient, less easy ways of doing things. And as soon as that process exists with e-com for HVAC, plumbing, electrical, whatever it is, it's going to it's going to replace it too. So we give the contractor those tools, A, to protect their existing customer base, right? The worst thing that could happen would be that the money I've already spent to bring a customer into my business, I turn around and lose that customer because I don't offer a solution that will help them do business the way they want to do business. So our first primary focus was on making sure that the tools that we're providing in Fixify for those contractors to offer to their their customers who want to do e-com are there. Not 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 just a little question answer, you know, I mean we're talking about a completely integrated into the back end designs the system based on the configuration of the right the whole the whole nine yards like what a salesperson would do when they're there all the way down to the defaulting of integrated financing and 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 here's what's so important Chris reportability see it's one thing for someone to come to my website click on some buttons right and kind of walk through a little story of how do I build an air conditioning system and either they do or they don't we, we need to make sure that we have complete reportability in the way that consumers are using our e-commerce, just the same way that we use reportability on how a technician performs when they're on a maintenance call or on a, on a repair call or on a replacement lead, right? So that we can get that information so that we can constantly make that process better so that it succeeds. Yeah. First off, obviously I love that like reportability piece of it. Something I want to, I want to go back to that you were talking about is um, kind of basic, really this, takeover of the salesperson's type of, you know, impact. I've had some really high level conversations with some major players about getting rid of the sales force and automating it. Um, are you hearing this more? And I mean, well, I'm going to make an assumption that like, this is something you've heard more and more and, and maybe it's not completely, but I mean, it, it's come up a few times, like enough, even last year that got me thinking about it. Like, could that model, can that model really exist? Can it work? The more I start to even study our own data as a digital marketing company and seeing the lack of people who actually want to have a physical conversation with somebody leads me to believe that, yeah, like, I, I think that that's certainly something that can happen, but, but I wonder, so two questions is like, is, are you hearing more of that? And then second is, can, can you, as the contractor, um, create like specific offerings, no matter what is being um, searched for or whatever was being put. I hate to use better, best, you know, good, better, best, whatever. But is there a predicted outcome that we that the consumer or the, excuse me, the contractor can choose no matter what? Like, or what do you say? Like, give me some of those examples. All right. Man, you asked a lot. Okay, yes, I know, dude. I know, I know. Well, it's because my brain was so, like, I'm trying to ask questions and, and think through it at the same time. But I'm, you I'm see what I'm saying? What hey, I'm picking up what you're laying down, man. So, all right, cool, cool. All right, so, so here's here's what I would say. <clears throat> First of all, will it replace a salesperson? Um, as likely as being able to buy a car online will replace a sales appointment sitting with a salesperson at a car dealership. Okay, Carvana. And, you know, the fastest growing retailer in the world, right, um, by volume, um, you know, and now you've got all the you've got all the others that are coming on. And I'm sure that there are probably 20 more than I can name. But, you know, Vroom is right behind them and, you know, raising major amounts of capital in the marketplace. So 
So I guess the answer is that when people buy, they're buying how based on how they feel, right? And so, so buying is a feeling process. And as we are able to use technology to assimilate a feeling process for a consumer, uh, I, I would say that we believe that there will be more and more people who use this alternate way of buying once, once they know that they can do it. Will it ever replace a salesperson coming into a home? Not if that's what a consumer really prefers. If a consumer prefers to have someone come in the house and sit down with them and talk about the dog and the pictures and everything else. But as we know, the fastest growing group of homeowners in the United States are the millennials. And that's not what the millennial values. That's what the older generations value. So when you're looking at what your sales process is going to be going into the future, you have to be paying attention to every other major Fortune 500 company in the world that is showing us that the coming that the, 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 the growing trend is that consumers want to be able to do business digitally. The key is about making sure that the process still feels as good, that it has the same amount of confidence built into it, um, that it has the same amount of, um, of accuracy built into it. And or as close to possible, and then making sure that there is a follow up process that 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 protects the whole thing. Yeah, dude, that was a fire answer. <laughs> um, I did. Yeah, I guess I didn't even take into consideration like I, once you said it, I immediately thought of Carvana, and I've never done that. Um, but like, I guess not in that sense. Like, I, I was just saying to my son the other day too, and I was dropping him off that. Um, I thought he had a buddy whose dad was in the car business and, and like even some of my good friends who have, um, you know, exited their businesses or have raised, you know, private partner have, um, now are part of a, a bigger partnership. I've seen them go out and buy some like pretty decent rides. Um, they're buying them without, they're buying them without seeing them too. Like, I mean, in, in person, like they see what it is and like, yeah. there's just different things that are happening. Like you can build, you know, your UTVs. Like, there's so many things, trucks. Like this is the first time I've ever considered my wife was trying to um, find a different uh, SUV and get rid of her Tesla. And um, she literally was like, I'm just going to look online. Yep. Looks good. Don't need to see it. I can't, to me, that's weird. Cause I can't, don't, don't know that I could do that yet. Um, well, I think it ties back to what we already have familiarity with. Right. So first of all, I, we have believed to a fault the uh, the juju juice that we've been feeding, right? Which is that consumers don't, that, but there's also been no tools to solve this. So let me just say this, right? Is that consumers, no, 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 they can't buy that way. Oh no, no they don't know what they want. We, we place a much higher level of importance upon the way that consumers feel about these appliances in their homes through, it, it's totally self-serving, right? It, people will absolutely buy if the process is right. My wife sends me videos weekly of what the, of what the new car that she's looking for is and she's already built it online and you can click and buy it i mean she doesn't need to well i want to smell what it smells like on the inside and, and and see the way it actually looks on me she knows what she wants and when it comes to heating and cooling or plumbing or electrical or whatever it is consumers don't look at it from a lifestyle standpoint the way that they do at some of these prestige items in their life they look at the functionality exactly they will, it's the yep. functionality of it. And I don't need to try it on. It's not a suit, right? They look at it as a box. And now we know that it's not just a box. I'm not suggesting that it is, but if you right. can take, if you can take the pieces of how you buy that system and make it automated, 
there is a group of consumers that want to do business that way. And if you don't offer it and you don't offer the best solution at doing it, they're going to buy somewhere else. Yeah. Is this an and or? It is. That's what I thought. Okay. So, um, so for the time, yeah, I mean, for the time being, it's and or. It's, it's, it's just like, it's just like adding text messaging. I do so, I have so many conversations. Shit, Darren, you and I text message. I have so many conversations with players of all shapes and sizes and friends. And a lot of it's done without even physically talking to them. And and I'm actually like a touchy feely kind of guy. Like I want to have conversations. I want to give you a hug. I want to do all these things, but I also love that it's faster for me and I don't have to commit to a conversation. So I say that to say this. And that's the internet generation. That's the generation. And, we can get and, to the point very quickly, right? To the point. That's, I mean, you, your, your, your podcast, you we want to get to the point quickly, right? That's you how we be able to, Exactly. And you want to be able to do it by whatever means necessary. So if you used to be a phone call guy, if you liked, if you liked the contact forms, you're like, I don't want them to fill out a contact form. I want them to call. Well, listen, uh, contact forms are actually just as valuable as phone calls, which now you add in chat. Now you can add in the text feature. I mean, there's so many ways you can connect with some social media. What it, you can connect with people. I believe you should, you as the contractor have to give the consumer any way that they can potentially reach out to you, chat, That's text, exactly right. phone call, con, uh, contact forms, whatever it is, you got to have that as an option or 100% you're losing business. You think that's fair, Darren? I think you're a hundred percent right. And it's one, you know, it's one thing to go, okay, how much, how much effort are we going to put into some, you know, something that 1% of the people want to do. But if you go back two years and you think about the fact that $500 million worth of equipment was bought online and shipped to consumers homes. Okay. That's five, that, that represents you know, close to 5%. If you bring it out to a real t- retail price, you're talking about close to 5% of the market wanted to do business that way. That that's significant. And the only reason it's not more is because till now there hasn't been a faster, easier, and more affordable way to do it. So is this more of an, ex- you're trying to create an experience, like a customer, like a, a next level customer experience that no other software is doing. You're creating well, your whole me. own like experience, like the way that you've done it is you've created, you've kind of focused on that customer experience journey. Totally. I mean, if you think about the hours and hours and hours that we spend training our, our people, it's about teaching them how to give the consumers a certain kind of experience, isn't it? I mean, where we park, how we dress, the way we say things, the way we put booties on our feet, why we put booties on our feet, how we pointed out, all the stuff that we do is all around creating an experience. And the challenge that I had when I had at my disposal an unlimited, effectively, an unlimited amount of resources needed to be able to go out and scale, okay? And, and you know, I, I use the word scale and you know how I feel about this. I mean, mm. scaling does not just mean growing, right? Scale means right. actually achieving a near market opportunity penetration, right? So that's scaling. Nobody's scaled. People grow. They're not scaling. That's that's a misconception. I always wanted to know, well, what's stopping us from, from scaling? When I, when I thought about the number of customers in our database versus those that had maintenance agreements, when a maintenance agreement makes so much sense and it actually pays for itself, and it's like, why would you not have a maintenance agreement? There's something stopping them, right? There's something standing in the way. 
What was it? Inconsistency of the distribution of information, period. If every single person understood the value of a maintenance agreement the way that I did, they'd all have them. So everything that stops us from being able to gain the levels of consistency, performance, and growth in the businesses always ties back to how many times in a row we do the most right thing. And so when we're looking at software and how it can add to the performance of your business, it's about being able to give consistency to the process that gives consumers what they want, when they want it, and how they want to do it. Got it. So a couple, three, I got three questions we're going to finish out with, and these are going to be really good. So my brain's, I've been, look at all the scribbles on my paper, if you can see all this. I've been <laughs> writing down so many alternate questions based on what you're saying. And that's actually what I hope happens from these is it kind of gets my brain thinking through, not only from your perspective, but the consumer perspective and the contractor that's listening perspective too, to try and just grasp it all. Because it, I assume that our listeners are trying to do the same. Um, so one is, um, how easy to implement this is it? Like, is it, I mean, I mean, I don't, how easy is this implementation process? <laughs> you know, um, we designed the onboarding process from the point of view of being a contractor who would be trying to transition over a large business, right? I've been through that process multiple times. Yes, you can relate, right. So I, so I know, I know how much it sucks, right? And so everything about the process was designed to be elegant. And, you know, we use that word all the time when in, in, the, in the way that we refer to the way that we design software's elegance means that it's so smooth, you don't even know you're using it. You know what I mean? And that's what good software is supposed to be, right? It's so the process that we've designed for moving people over and, and onboarding is, is very, very simple. Um, the, it, it's, it's not painful because the software is so intuitive. Now there, there is, there is a, a big software developer out there who has done a really effective job at scaring the shit out of people when it comes to having to try to learn software again, because they're using a software today that they aren't even sure how to use. And they've been using it for many years. Right. So they've done a great job at freaking people out. So what we do is we show them through the demonstration process of how easy it is to use. It literally take the onboarding process to be able to understand and use 100% of the capability of the software takes five weeks. So second question to that, because okay. my hope is it was going to be um, that you, I mean, having known you have kind of been through this process, I assumed you look at it through the looking glass of the contractor at that point. Oh man, how am I, like, cause it's going to be difficult. Um, or is, you know, how can I make this as easy as possible or whatever you, I forget what word you use. But the second thing, the second thing is, is does size matter? So meaning does the size of the contractor matter on you, on using Fixify? <clears throat> Not from a capability standpoint. So, you know, there, there's really a few questions in there that you that you just there's a few answers, I guess, to to that question is obviously the more people that you're teaching something, the the curve is different. Right. So the more people that have to learn it and more people. Yeah. Right. But yeah, the, but to the converse of that is that the greater amount of people that you have, the more your opportunity loss to inconsistency is. So the actual win is much, much bigger. So every time I look at how to make a decision, I look at difficulty versus payoff. If the payoff is really high, the difficulty level doesn't really matter because the payoff is high. If the payoff is low, then the difficulty 
you know, starts to, to make a lot more important. It makes, it has a lot um, more weight in the decision. So if you are a company that is smaller and you don't want to use, you know, off the shelf software that was not designed to actually help your business function um, much more effectively and actually um, succeed in the levels that, that Fixify was designed to, to automate and, and, and add consistency to, you can afford this software. Um, if you are, if you are a, you know, 25, 50, hundred truck operation, there's no limitation. It, it, it was designed to operate a business as big or as small as you want to, because it's of how much the automation performs. Got it. So it's a, so it's a, yeah, it's totally kind of a, scalable. got it. It's totally scalable. And obviously once you get bigger, you have like integration strategies or integration processes or things like that. Somebody champion that type of stuff. So last piece um, is, do you believe that this is a tool, a software, a whatever, you know, that you have, uh, that a contractor can have to set them apart from their competitors? So it's funny that you ask that question that way. So I spend a great amount of my time focusing on how to develop strategic market advantages for myself or for a client. So that that sounds to me like, you know, very similar to what you're saying is how does it set you apart? Number one, there is no other software that will allow you to give the consumer the experience that Fixify does if from a, you know one of the people that uh, one of the groups that we've got a lot of affiliates now that are stepping up and in, in wanting to you know uh, talk to their customers about our software and the most effective them of them are marketers and the reason that marketers are are coming forward so fast is because they know that when it comes to being able to stand out in a marketplace with a message is that if there is no difference, if there is no opportunity difference for value improvement or experience difference for the consumer, it only comes down to how much you spend, okay? How much you spend is gonna drive volume. Once you can start to differentiate and you can you can have a different kind of an offering to the consumer in the marketplace, you now have the ability to cut through all the different noise that's out there, right? So from just from a consumer experience alone, Chris, that if you really look at what Fixify was designed to do is it's designed to help consumers have a faster, better experience and lower the cost of doing business to the, con- to the contractor so that earnings can increase and that you can expand more consistently and that you can improve your cash flow, ultimately your profitability, right? Through greater levels yep. of performance. So when you think about a strategic market advantage, you have to ask yourself is, do I think that the, that Consumers will desire to do business digitally more, um, more um, efficiently and more directly, or do I think they'll, it'll go the opposite direction? Do I think that people are going to really desire to call more? They're going to want to fill out, you know, call more and sit on hold more, or they're going to want to wait longer, or they're going to want to, obviously, we know the direction that the consumer behavior is going. If you have a tool in your hand that allows you to fulfill and offer to the consumer what it is that they want today, you have an advantage over those that can't. Yeah. Um, that was my hope. <laughs> I see this as an, abs- as an absolute value add um, because speed of speed alone. Um, so of the speed and, and then again, I keep going back to experience. I mean, 
I'm all about experiences. Anybody that knows me well knows I'm all about experiences and I love giving experiences and creating experiences. I mean, hell, Rhino X, the X stands for experience because that's what it is. It is a chance for me to bring in people, other contractors, and experience what it's like to work with some of the biggest and best badasses in the game and sit with them and rub elbows and learn from them and and kind of work through problems with them in a more intimate setting. It's an experience I'm creating for them. I'm not even speaking at my own meeting except for emceeing the event. I don't have some presentation. I just bring everybody together for the experience. However, I will say this. I do run a very successful home services, digital marketing company. And guess what we're doing? We're delivering experiences. Our experiences are in the way of providing lead generation for our customers so they can grow. How do I got to do that? I got to make sure that when I try to get a lead that they can call the contractor, they can text the contractor, they can chat the contractor, they can send fill out contact forms to do business with them because that's the consumer's experience. This is an add-on to that piece of it. It just makes that process so much easier. Think about this, Chris, it flattens it, right? So let's say that you're out there representing my air conditioning business and I use this software and you're advertising that consumers can get service direct dispatch now. There is no faster, easier, or more affordable way to, to take care of your home's problems. The consumer has a problem, clicks on your ad, and with the click of a button, has a technician on the way to their home that's going to have the interactive experience that that we've been talking about and describing there, there is no faster way. There is no easier way. And I'll tell you that, you know, you're talking about Rhino X and this, and this rubbing shoulders and all this kind of stuff. You know what I think it really does and, and why these are such valuable meetings, how much really is somebody going to walk out of there that they can implement? Probably not that much. They're probably not going to walk out of there with a ton of information that they can implement, but you know what they are going to walk out of there with, they're going to walk out of there with a higher level of belief that if that dude can do it, I can do it too. And when it all comes down to it, man, nobody handed you your business, man. You built your business because you had this belief that you could go out there and do it, right? I built this software from nothing because I had a belief that I could get it done. Ken Goodrich built this massive business that he has because he had a belief in himself that he could get it done. And so I appreciate you and the other people that are in our industry. You know, that used to be us, right? Where we would have these events and and thousands of contractors would come to them and rub shoulders and exchange ideas and, and, and take away from their higher levels of belief, man. I'm stoked to be part of it too. Yeah, man. I'm glad that you're coming in. And it's, it is exactly, it's exactly that. I will say this, um, you know, in our post event surveys, the big thing I always harp on is man, ambition without action is useless. So go back and do something. And even if it's one, even if it's one thing beyond the creating the relationship and all that shit and kind of getting the belief and getting hyped up, like all that means nothing. Once you leave this, you know, leave, you know, you walk out the door, if you don't go back and implement something, the majority that came went back, implemented, and we have some great success stories. I, I'm so happy to capture this year at Rhino X 2022 from those that are returning. It's That's a pretty awesome, cool man. experience, but you're right. There's also a layer of accountability that comes with that, that says, damn, I worked with Leland. I worked with Dave. I worked through this problem. They told me to do this. I'm going to go do that. And then letting these guys say, Hey, you know, send them a text message. How's it going? Just checking in. Were you able to do this? Yeah. There's like another layer of account. It's almost like you got dad watching over you, man. Dad's on your ass. That. Like he wants to get it done. So listen, that. for the sake of time, we're at the tail end of this thing. I appreciate you kind of diving into this too. And listeners, obviously, if you have a ton of, you know, a ton of questions, you've written things down. 
Um, I always make notes. I'm listening to podcasts for things I need to go back and reference, but listen, like connect with the guys. Um, you can, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you or with somebody at Fixify, Darren? So the easiest way is to go to our website, which is www.fyxify.com. Or, you know, if you want to reach out to me, you want to text me or you want to, you know, direct communicate with me. My cell phone number is 941 nine. What is my phone number? I never tell anybody. 941-928-9144. I've got a really awesome team of individuals that uh, that can help. Um, but if you have a, you know, you have a direct question, you want to talk to me, man, I'm, I'm totally accessible. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited to be part of this. I'm excited to come out and hang out in, uh, in Phoenix and, and, uh, and, and participate in the Rhino X event. And we really appreciate being on here and getting to talk to everybody about where the industry is going and hopefully offer some information that can help. Of course, man. I appreciate your time. And listen, listeners, it's just another, it's just another option, another tool that you can put in your belt if need be. It's just all about kind of what fits what you're trying to do. Do you want to give yourself a competitive advantage? Does it work? So it's my job onto the point to kind of bring these things out there and put them in the open and bring in guys like Darren to talk through these things. So you understand and know what's out there. I feel obligated to do those things. So I appreciate your time, Darren. I don't take that lightly. Oh, man, um, and listen, I'm going to go ahead and close this thing out. Like I always do reading a review. Um, and the review is, let's see from <laughs> Izzy boo, nine, one, one, Izzy boo, nine, one, one, Ryan, was that you? That was you. <laughs> okay. Uh, great podcast that impacts a person to be better and to do it better. Five stars. When you guys started the podcast, I thought, Hmm, this will be interesting. But now, wow, I can't wait till the next one comes out. You have impacted the HVAC industry to help each other, local or nationally. Uh, there is help for every question you have. Thanks so much for connecting the dots. Proud to be a part of this industry. Izzy Boo, that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, obviously, like that is the best rewarding thing that we can get is a review, not only for us, but for our guests. If it's a particular episode, you leave those reviews, we'll share it with them. So please keep leading reviews. This is a, a phenomenal, going to be another phenomenal year for our industry. And a lot of your peers are going to need help along the way. This is a great way to give them help in a very fast way. Send them the link to the podcast and they can subscribe to it and get it or whatever. And hopefully helps them move their business forward. That's its only job. So again, Darren, I appreciate you so much. And until next time, no zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, Here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.